podcast of the cinema <laughs> you took a beat there. i was waiting for you to say like and fork or something else and it's like no no just, those are the other those are the other straight shows. up linoleum knife uh hello it's, again it's giving linoleum it's, knife. stop it <laughs> stop it um the uh this is our our second show today if if, if you Downloaded our wonderful interview with the wonderful Mary Jo Peel She's wonderful. Today. I don't know if our interview was wonderful, but she's wonderful. I, I got it. That's a good question out of her, which I always okay. appreciate. Yeah. Even when an interview subject is lying to you and has heard the same thing a million <laughs> times, if they make the effort to say, oh, that's a good question, I right. appreciate it. What can yes. I tell you? Yes. Uh, but no, we, we love her and uh, it was fun to talk about. Her new book and the new season of Mystery Science Theater and all kinds of other stuff. And um, and now we're back with the actual show that we do here. The one that we're super late on, but I've decided something. Yes. What? Um, no more no more apologizing, no more explaining. Yeah, it's summer. About, about the late everything. Because yeah. lately, the past, honestly, the past four weeks, we've just been flying by the seat of our pants and turning, and turning in all the assignments late. And <laughs> I, um, and it's... Each day, I am sort of freshly mortified. Like we got to catch up. We got to catch up. We got to catch up. And then I, some days, I think, you know what? We're just gonna. I'm gonna give you a podcast today. In the immortal words of Sandra Bernhard, "Release it, my darling." <laughs> I'm gonna release it. Good. I'm also gonna release the slow grumble on you. <laughs> Why do I read you these bad reviews? Somebody didn't like us, and they said I had a slow grumble. <laughs> well, they they said the show did, but which is true. No, but come well, on, the, the, they're talking about me. We know who they mean. The <laughs> I mean, it's true. I do. I'm a very slow. I'm a slow talker. Yeah, it's a it, look. It's a feature, not a bug. I'm a slow talker, and uh, that's the way it goes with me. Yeah, I, I, I there are a lot of pauses mm. while I collect <laughs> collect my thoughts. The kind that of makes which people, also apparently I don't have very many. The, the kind <laughs> so, that makes people listening in the car think that the, the phone call is the coming phone in. call is coming in. Yeah. Oh, did they stop talking? Is am I getting a call? No. He's just he Harold just Pinter over there. Yeah. Is. He just doesn't know how to finish a sentence in a timely manner. <laughs> um. But you're here now, and that's I what am, matters, listeners. What's well, not my, you, them. What's my name? Say my name. <laughs> you're Dave White. I'm Alonzo Duraldi. We're film critics. You can yeah. read our stuff at The Wrap. I host other podcasts. We are married to each other. Yes. Welcome. We were just on the mic, on the on the, on the the mic check, we were talking about it's, it's giving. Yes. And how. Which is not a holiday. It has passed us by. <laughs> uh, I mean, like. We're old. Yes. It's part of the reason, like, it's not a, it's, it's, it's a young queer thing to say. I think we, we were around for part of it's giving me life, but we were not around for it's giving adjective or mm -hmm. it's giving noun, you know? Right. Which right. Is a whole other thing. I mean, we were around. We've, we've been here for years. Yes. We've, we've gone to a comeback. Exactly. Thank you. 
we're not going anywhere. We just we can't hop on to every can't. every rhetorical but here's the thing fashionable about thing. It's you know? not it's 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 unseemly yes. uh, to do that, I think, at at age fifty eight. Oh, by the way, happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Dave. I've just turned fifty eight years yes. old. Happy birthday and, to you. Um, it was great. I spent my day uh, discarding uh, old papers. Um, A dream come true for you. I boraxed some white things in the <laughs> sink. Dave White Fantasy Camp. I ate the cake I made for myself. Yes. Uh, made myself a beautiful... Y'all know Claudia... Linoleum knife and fork listeners will understand yes. that I've discussed Claudia Roden before. Cookbook author. A legend, really, of cookbooking. And um, she had a recipe for an orange almond cake. Hmm. Perfect for people like me, whose A1C is being checked in 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> and and that needs and and I need to be extra virtuous. I say, you have generally been virtuous. You're not like one of those people who's flossing three days before a cleaning. I know to catch up madly. No, I know. Like you're you've I've been, been on good it. this whole time, but like I, uh, you know, I'm I especially conscientious. Sure. about the impending blood draw, where my A1C is going to be, you know. Sent to the judges. Now is not the time for the KFC double down. With it a, is not. With a mint chocolate shake. So yeah, I, I decided, okay, it's my birthday. And so what am I going to do today? I'm going to eat kale. And <laughs> and I did. And I had, I had my very, very uh, uh, type 2 diabetes appropriate cake. Okay, so after yeah. this next blood test, if you do so well, like if they come back and say, your A1C is now a zero. <laughs> There's no such thing. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> but let's say let's say you're well within the range of safety. Four and five. Four and five. Yes. Okay. Then I have to keep going. Obviously. Yeah. And I know the long haul here is you are always going to be I mean, conscientious. We will go to Portillo's and I will get a cake shake. That was my question. <laughs> What's the treats? As a treat. Okay. Great. There's going to be a cake shake. Excellent. Even if it means like... Going down there on a Saturday morning when there's no traffic or mm. whatever, and um, or you know, yeah, uh, it's a it's a bit of a haul. Maybe from where I we send are. maybe I send you down there with a with a with a with a cooler with some ice <laughs> in it. Fetch me this, please. Oh, really, husband? Husband, mm. what what have you done for me lately? I I left down for a weekend and gave you the place to yourself that's true and that was nice i really enjoyed how was max fun con by max the way? fun con was a blast i hear the people enjoyed you people were super nice someone asked about me yes alan yeah devoted listener alan also a, a fan of, of max film and other shows uh yes said that he wished you'd been there i wish that i had been exactly doing what i did which I, was nothing. I think it all worked out for everybody. I had a little rest. Yeah. But I got to go up to a beautiful Lake Arrowhead. And uh, it, it was the first time that Ify Andrea and I had been in contact. In, in, in like, 
in the same room. In the same room. Since the hugging each other. Yeah, since the cats screening we went to Whoa. in January of 2020, the uh, rowdy cats screening at the draft house. You uh, texted me in the middle of the day on Saturday and said, "Is it okay if I take off my mask for the for the panel?" And I was like. Imagine me scolding you like Natalie Merchant right now. <laughs> well, again, okay. Do I, as you see I fit. Can't, <laughs> I can't believe we're getting into this. As I explained oh, to you. Oh, believe it. Oh, oh, believe it. The room that we were in. Okay, so the, this place is, uh, the, the whole facility up there, UCLA has it. It's a conference center. Yeah. And uh, when we arrived, Dre had described it as being like Kellerman's from from Dirty Dancing because it's like right. these sloping hills and yep. the tennis court and the pool and the cabins. Anyway, the conference room that we were in had like outdoor patios on both sides. So it was not like we were hemmed up in the middle of the building. Double doors at all four corners of the room were wide open and letting in circulating air from outside. The stage was above and distanced from the rows of seats. And so, given all of that, and the it fact that I was going to be up there with reasonable with just the Drea and uh, and Ify, and we were already sharing a house together and breathing in each other's spaces, according to Alonzo Duralde, it seemed reasonable. Well, it's at the time. Thursday now, yeah. and I'm and you're fine. I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. It's fine. 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 <laughs> anyway, I had a great time. I was time. mad for like ten minutes, and then I was like, someone's not sticking to the plan. <laughs> then I texted you and said, okay, I can't be mad at you for a long time because you're very pretty. But if you bring me home a COVID, I will have you assassinated. Yeah, well, too bad for you. I'll tell you something. I made that same joke to a friend on Instagram, and my comment was immediately removed. Yeah. yeah. It turns out that you can't joke about you assassinating your friends on yeah, Instagram. That's not a they funny don't like anymore. It. They no. don't like that. And they take your comment down. Lickety split, and in the frankly, blink of an eye. I, w- I would rather that like it, it get disappeared uh, all the time, including for the jokes, <laughs> than not disappeared because there are plenty of people out there who are who terrible. would be like, oh yeah, I mean it, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. These are things you can just text your good friends, and yeah, your exactly, husband, and I mean, they know they understand, you know, that you're not within uh, within the circle of trust. They understand that you're not serious, yeah. Or do they? Oh, stop it. Or are you? Stop it. Right. Uh, we do have some films. We do. To talk about three, to be specific. Um, we talk about Crimes of the Future. Mm-hmm. Talk about Fire Island. Yep. We talk about Benediction. Yes. And uh, we're not going to talk about Hustle yet because you haven't seen it. I and guess I'm going to watch it. I want it. you to because it's astonishingly good. I heard good. you being very delighted by it yeah. yeah i was not when you tell me oh there's an adam sandler sports movie on netflix great sure yeah and then i watched it and i loved it and it's directed by jeremiah zager whose first film was we the animals which was really great which we screened at outfest as one of our centerpieces the year that i was there uh or back when i was there and uh, and yeah it's really terrific i recommend it but we'll talk about it more next time after dave has seen it crimes of the future mm-hmm Let's do it. Let's be gay and do crimes. I uh, love David Cronenberg. Sure. Crash is an all-timer. Yep. Your favorite of his? 
My favorite Cronenberg? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, there's The Brood. Yeah. Which is, you know, come on. Sure. Um, there's Dead Ringers. There, I, yeah, I think that's kind of where I got to go. As The Fly? The Fly, yes. But then there's also like a history of violence and Eastern history Promises. History of violence, Eastern Promises. Don't make me don't make me pick among my babies. I'm not saying that they aren't all terrific in their own way, but if you had like if there's one that you're like, yeah, this is my crash. Okay, <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be crash. I think mine's Dead Ringers. You gotta pause like, that recording because I'm fixing a sneeze. He did, in fact, sneeze. Did you gesundheit me, Jesus Maria? Oh, thank you. Okay. Uh, Crimes of the Future. Yes. Stars Viggo Mortensen, uh, Leia Seydoux. And Kristen Stewart. And, and that, Don, that Don McKellar. That Don McKellar. <laughs> from Canada. Yes. Well, everyone here is, well, well, Cronenberg is Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> I met Don, Kel- Don McKellar at the USA Film Festival once, and we hung out, and he was very What? Charming. Was this for Highway? No, no, this was much more recently. I'm forgetting Last now what movie night. it was. No, 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 no. This was those are like '90s movies. This was the oh, last ten years. Oh, so you, this was recently. Yeah, this okay. is when I went. I went back for it. Yeah. All right. All right. So it's the future, hence uh, the title. Mm. Uh, a title he's used before. This is also a title he's used before. Thank yeah. you. Yes, correct. Uh, a performance artist couple, Saul, and Caprice, played by Viggo Mortensen and Leo Sedu. Their uh, their art practice is that they uh, he can grow new organs inside his body, mm-hmm. uh, and that what she does is surgically remove them on stage. I have a question. Yeah. Okay. We're told at the beginning of the film that in the future, no one feels pain. Correct. And so that's why people are just like. Pulling out, doing surgeries. People have evolved in a lot of unusual ways. Willy-nilly. Yeah. However, Viggo Mortensen spends much of the movie racked with pain, with other yes. kinds of pain. Yes. And no one ever delineates the difference no, they don't. there. Okay, I they just don't. want to make sure I didn't miss something. Uh, so he grows the organs. She takes them out. Sometimes they get little tattoos <laughs> on the organs. And um, they use they use funky devices and machinery. Very cool, the penetrating objects that yeah. go into the body, like you know, come on, <laughs> like lots of Cronenberg movies. Yes, <laughs> things and going into people's bodies. Carol, Carol Spire, once again the production designer, and once again doing that very sort of like Giger esque, you know, <laughs> yes. machines that look like bug exoskeletons and right. scalpels that look like bony skeleton fingers. You know. He's got his own uh, D-box seat that feeds him. Yes. And, and it looks it, like it's made of cellulite and tumors. And the food of the future is just, you know, orange goop. Yeah. Um, unless you're in the plastic eating unless cult you are and you get a really of, cool yes. bar of you, things. Yeah, there's a cult of people who eat plastic um, and they eat little candy bars that are made of plastic and yeah. they live on them really. Yeah. The film begins with a child uh, who has been born with the evolutionary trait of living on plastic. Yeah. 
That child is eating a plastic bucket at the beginning of the movie. His mother subsequently murders him uh, because she doesn't want him to uh, have that life. This happens in the first, what, three minutes of the movie? Yeah, not a spoiler. It's the inciting incident. Yeah. We don't hear about that kid or the mother for a little while uh, until the kid's father shows up, played by... Fellow Canadian. Felicity superstar Scott Speedman. <laughs> and who, by the way, is that good looking in person? I saw him I saw him getting coffee one day over in Silver Lake and I was uh-huh. like, Oh God, it's like the sun is blinding. I can't me look right directly now. at it. <laughs> and you know, it's one of those guys who's gonna be like hundred and fifty years old and still like extremely handsome. Yeah. yeah. So um uh, maybe and maybe he will evolve the capacity uh, to, to eat plastic. To eat plastic and grow like the character, grow the new organs. Um, all right. So, the performance artist people are in, are growing in in fame. Yeah. Uh, and so they are, you know, uh, sort of summoned to the National Organ Registry. These are two people who keep track of people who are growing new organs. They are less bureaucratic functionaries than they are fan club presidents. <laughs> this is Don McKellar and Kristen Stewart. We will talk about Kristen Stewart's performance soon. I'm I'm not. Alonzo and I have a dis- we have a disagreement. But these two are kind of awestruck. Yeah. yeah. Starstruck in a, by, in a giggly way, yeah, uh, by Saul and Caprice. They're breathlessly excited to be in their company. Saul is also having secret meetings with a police detective about a, about the whole organ growing thing and possible abuses in that community, yes. and about the plastic cult and the plastic cult. Yeah, film builds to a climax uh, where there's an autopsy performed. Don't want to go into too much detail no. about that. I don't want to spoil things for you. But when they talk about, oh, the last 20 minutes will really blow your mind. Well, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. and But the last 20 minutes did not blow your or my No, I mind. had forgotten about that. And I read uh, about it later. Like, wait, what? In the last 20 minutes is such a... I mean, I guess if you don't... If, you, if the only David Cronenberg movie you've ever seen is The Fly, right, or like A History of Violence, yes. or or you know A Dangerous Method, or yep. M Butterfly, but right. if you're not used to like the really goopy Cronenberg, then maybe. But right, if you've seen any, well, this of the, is opening in like every multiplex in the country. Yeah, Neon went wide. I think they were like, well, you know, the, let's the, try the it. The people who don't want to see Top Gun Maverick got to go see something, <laughs> right? So who knows how that approach worked. Uh, how many first-time Cronenberg uh, viewers were like, what is this? I love that adorable Kristen Stewart. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, this is, as you said in your review, Cronenberg's greatest hits. Yes. Please talk about what you mean. Well, it, you know, in terms of this this notion of, like, the new flesh and whatnot is an ongoing theme to which he has returned in, in various ways. Yeah. Uh, but to the point where 
there are visual shout outs to other films. There's a subplot right. about a beauty pageant for perfectly shaped organs, which is a joke in Dead Ringers right. that somehow is brought back to life and actually yeah. turned into a thing uh, in this movie. So it's, I didn't feel like he was necessarily breaking any new ground, um, possibly philosophically in terms of what he thinks about the new flesh yeah. and what it, what it means about the future of humanity. Uh, but on a visual sense, in the way that he directs the performers, the the sort of grotesquerie of, of, of various things, it, it felt familiar and, you know, like again, a warm homecoming. I guess, yeah. sure. And it's, In a cold, chilly, unhappy environment. Yes. Yeah. Soup is good food. I mean, it's if, if you like what Cronenberg does, then you'll like that he's doing it again here. Yeah. And I love what he does. Yeah. I love that sort of chilly stage whisper dystopia mm. where every person involved is obsessed with the thing they are doing. Yes. The rest of the world, whatever else is happening in the rest of the world doesn't mean anything to his characters. Only what they are doing matters. So, for example, in Crash, you've got the car crash sex cult. Right. And they just hang out and watch car crash videos or <laughs> recreate car crashes or make real car crashes happen or have sex at the scene of car crashes. Like They're never not chasing the dragon. They are always on brand with what they're doing. <laughs> and so here it's the same thing, you know, as in so many of his other films. And what I love about that is you don't get to come up for air. He is pulling you in. You have no choice but to sit there and and experience his environment. And and what I like about what you said about uh, the new flesh. Yeah, I think this you know late film, which he I think he said it might be his last. Maybe uh, he may have said that. Early on, it was the subject of horror. Yeah, and. And what his real feelings about it were were either ambivalent or you know check out how cautionary check out how deranged this is. I would say somewhere along the time of crash, yeah. The tone of his new flesh explorations began to change for me anyway. Yeah, it's sort of like and, well here we are. <laughs> well, this is what's going on. Are you into, are, are you are you into it? Yeah, you uh, as. Elias Coteus says in the film, you coming? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you pointed out, uh, because we see other sort of like uh, uh, surgery-based performance artists in this movie who are clearly meant to be like posers and not as cool oh, yeah. as Saul. There's a dude with ears all over his body. Yeah, and everybody's like, they're not even attached. Those don't even function. They don't even yeah. work. Um so you were saying that the, 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 there's a read on this that it's kind of a satire of the art world. I think that in, I wouldn't say satire necessarily, but I would say it is a film about artists mm. and the demands the demands placed on artists by themselves. Again, their own obsessive nature, you know, they must do their work. And keep upping the ante. And, and keep pushing it as far as they can go. And how people react to artists, what artists expect, what what expectations are placed on that. Mm. You know, there is a very big burden placed on artists in the world. And I know, you know, by saying that, I'm, 
I'm inviting people to say, oh, really? You know, like, yeah. But the, the burden is one where, you know, if we are fans, right. we want them to do exactly what we want them to do. Do the thing we like. Play Say take, the catchphrase. Play taking care of business. Say the catchphrase. Skip to the yeah. working overtime part. Um, it was, you know, interesting to watch this movie in terms of that, through that lens, you know. Um, and it's clear to me that the people at the organ registry are, they represent fandom. Yeah. And, and not necessarily the, the, the toxicity of many fandoms that exist in the world now, but, but definitely the obsession, the the obsessed giddiness of it. Um, so, you know, I think that's one element of the film. I think the other element, other element is the one you discussed is the Cronenberg's idea of where we are in the world. Yes. It's set in the future. Um, but it's set in a future that while improbable is predicated on a planet that we have, that human beings have ruined. Yeah. And now we are paying the price physically with our own bodies. Um, and so are the people in this film. They have developed, you know, uh, 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 an, an evolutionary trait that involves eating plastic to what end? I don't know that involves growing new organs that are functional or superfluous or damaged or, you know, whatever they are. Um, well, that enable the, the, the eating and processing yeah. of the plastic. So the, I think more so than even the, the idea of the artist, you know, narrative is the narrative of you're running out of time. You've already gone too far and the world is going to slide into catastrophic environmental uh, scenarios that, you know, you're not ready for. Yeah, there's this idea that, you know, if we don't act fast enough, which we aren't doing, you know, that we're going to make the planet uninhabitable. And the notion that that means, oh, that humanity will die off, as opposed to the notion of humanity will evolve in a way that we might find horrifying. And or suffer. Yes, yeah. but 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 there is a possibility that humanity just adapts to make the terrible world that we created the world that works for them. Yeah. So yeah, we all run around eating, you know, garbage and hetera, and <laughs> everyone's got little hetera pets. We're not eating hetera, right? No, hetera is eating uh, us, probably. Okay, that's what hetera does. Yeah. <laughs> no, he sucks the 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 smokestacks of the factory. <laughs> yeah, but then then slimes all over everybody and eh, true and yes. kills them. And, yes, you know. yes. Um, now, as dour as we have made it sound, it is also a quite funny. Yes, uh, there are two characters in this film who do some, uh, you know. Shocking things close to the end, but they are uh, technicians who really love uh, the whole organ scene. Yes, <laughs> and they have a—they're the fun fans. They, say they have a—they have a joie de vivre that is not necessarily seen that much in the rest of the film. The, these these two side characters who 
uh, yeah, I, I think, and they, they they bring a real jolt to it. But it it is funny in that Cronenberg way, in the way that Crash is funny at times. Yeah. Even though people don't necessarily think of it, just in that very dry, very droll kind of way that he's commenting on what's going on. And I think of Don McKellar and Kristen Stewart's performances as very, very funny. Yes. Uh, I am especially enamored of Kristen Stewart's vibrational presence in this film because she's constantly talking, talking like this. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just so happy to, uh, okay, I'm going to do this. (laughs) That's Kristen Stewart. And she's delightful. I I might need to revisit this performance in a couple of years (laughs) because I keep hearing about how great it is. And I see some clips on Twitter. I'm like, okay, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I felt like I have I've seen her be funny before, and I think, of course. I think she's very capable of it, and she's very talented in that yes, way. Yes, that is true. And I think that she has previously been funny in ways where you didn't see the work she was putting into it. You don't the funniest jokes are the ones you don't catch people telling. You know. Yeah. And in this one, I just kind of felt like it was so on the surface, and she was going so hard at it. I'm sure At the she, twitches and the ticks. Yeah, all yeah. the all, all of the all of the externalized sort of stuff. I'm sure she was giving exactly what Cronenberg asked. Probably, for. yeah. And I'm, and for a lot of people, it's a performance that works. But I just noticed all the work she was doing, and it got in the way of my just sort of enjoying this eccentric character that she was creating. McKellar, on the other hand, I right. think is knows how to be a weirdo, but also make it look organic. Right. Uh, you know, I just liked her quivering. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> her quivering excitement every time she Viggo commits. Mortensen walked in the room. I will. She absolutely commits to yeah. the thing that she's doing. So there's that. I uh, and I think, of course, that you know, Viggo Mortensen and Leia Sedu are both great. Yes. Uh, by the way, speaking of Leia Sedu, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen France, France. you want to. <laughs> You want to see her be somebody in a movie? Yeah, <laughs> check out that one from Bruno Dumont from last year. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a, that. That's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Yeah, her, her performance. It's really something, and I, I mean, I recommend yeah. definitely recommend that one too. Okay, Fire Island. Yes, never now, been there. The now, end. Now streaming on Hulu. Nor have I. I don't <laughs> see that in my future, but you never know. Well, we're not. You know, we're not East Coasters. We're not East Coasters, and we are not. Often, people who go to gay destination vacation yeah. spots, especially the sunny ones, um, particularly the beachy sunny ones, um, we tend to honestly we travel when we go on vacations. We travel with your family pretty much, generally, yeah, the whole time, and that means we're in Maine or Spain. But like, even on like, if if we were to go on. Like a gay cruise, yeah. you would want to go to the fjords oh, yeah. way before you'd Take ever want to go to a beach. I want to go to like, yeah, the F- Finland, Ar- Alaska, I mean, the Arctic. Yeah, yeah. When it's the twenty-four hours of night, <laughs> I'd be okay. <laughs> but if it could be twenty-four hours a day, you got to be careful. No, 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 I don't want that. No, nobody no. wants that. <laughs> 
Uh, talk about Fire Island, please. Okay, so Fire Island is uh, written by and starring uh, comedian Joel Kim Booster and directed by Andrew Ahn, who is a favorite of mine. He directed uh, my number one fiction film of, uh, of 2020, which was uh, Driveways. Driveways. And, uh, the beautiful, tender, moving yes, Driveways. Which, yeah. if you've not watched, good heavens, go find it. It's on Canopy and all the places. Uh, he also is his uh, premiere. His debut feature was a film called Spa Night that uh, premiered at Sundance. It is also, I think, really terrific and and has a great uh, central performance. And it's very both of these films are very character based and intuitive and heartfelt. And so his sensibility grafted onto what is a sort of often big and boisterous romantic comedy, very mainstream romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think. Elevates, you know, lifts all boats, basically. Uh, um, you know, the Jane Austen is mentioned in the first 30 seconds. And the this very much follows the Pride and Prejudice with the occasional dollop of Emma um, uh, uh, scenario. But it, it, it set, obviously, on the gay resort of Fire Island. Uh, Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang play best friends. They are heading out for their annual week on the island. They are kind of... Scraping it together, they mainly make this vacation work because their friend, played by Margaret Cho, owns a house there. And um, yeah, no one in their friend group is rich. Yes, that and that is a very Pride and Prejudice, uh, you know, state of state of being. Yes, and that's going to be important later because Bone Yang's character falls in love with this adorable doctor who is staying with a bunch of snotty rich queens on a very schmancy house right on the beach. Yes, uh, so you've got your. You've got your class differences. Throw in your racial differences. There's like of the rich of the rich. It's group. not just racial differences. It's straight up white racism. Well, yeah, permeating the entire uh, week. There is there is one Asian guy among the the richies, played by Conrad Ricamora, who's yeah. like a, plays a lawyer from L.A. Uh, he and Joel Kim Booster's character immediately can't stand each other. Yeah, which of course means they're going to fall in love. Yeah. Um, after a competitive discussion about the short stories of, of Alice Munro. Yes. <laughs> As you do. I appreciated that, really. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is this is a fun queer rom-com that has some ideas in its head and a director who knows how to treat the characters seriously, treat their relationships seriously, and know when to pull back rather than, like, go for the, the wacky moment. Uh, I was really delighted because this is a movie that I, from the moment I heard about it, I was like thrilled and also nervous. Well, yeah. <laughs> you hear about certain projects and you think, oh God, don't mess this up because I really right. need this to be right. good. And uh, for me, it is. It is. This is this is a lot of fun. It's smart. It's sexy. It's It, it represents, I think, kind of a new paradigm of queer movies where they are addressing each other more than they're trying to address this fictional straight viewer who yeah. needs things explained to them. Right. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like it's cloistered in a way that like only queer people are going to be interested in watching this or will want to watch it. Right. Uh, so I kind of like that we're moving into that area of like, here's our stuff. And if you're paying attention to the culture, you know what we're talking about. And if you don't, it's on Hulu. You, you can go, Google you it. Could, yeah, you can go Google it. Um, <laughs> But first, I want to talk about the Jane Austenisms okay. uh, here. As we said, the uh, the the main core group of friends uh, 
they can only afford to go there because their friend owns a house. Yeah. And the the way that they are willing for the sake of that fun to endure, you know, really terrible people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and based on, you know, the fact that they're, they're surrounded by rich people and they're surrounded by white people who treat them uh, condescendingly. Uh, condescendingly in really racist ways. Yeah. Um, I did hear somebody uh, talking about how they didn't like that the film was about people of color having to navigate whiteness. And I thought, right. So this is a story uh, created by starring directed by gay Asian men. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that story is navigating whiteness. Mm. And so the fact that it's part of the movie, I don't think it didn't diminish it. I don't think, I think it is just sort of like, well, this is what, this is what people of color have to deal with Yeah, in, in queer spaces that are dominated by rich white people. Exactly. And it's not like it was a studio note. Like this is baked into how you want to exactly. And again, it, that is a that is a Jane Austenism uh, yeah. adaptation. Sure, you know. Um, so uh, the Mister Darcy character obviously is here, uh, and 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 I did appreciate the uh, the tension between him and Joel Kim Booster's character. Yeah, how there was sort of like you're not going to one up me on reading books, dude. <laughs> you know. Um, the, I I really loved that they managed somehow to work in a letter being written <laughs> yes. and delivered, you know, like five houses down, <laughs> a confrontation in the rain. Yeah, it, it's it's it. They they pick their moments yeah. to adapt and other parts to let fly and 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 become and and just be twenty twenty two. Yeah, queer. There's also the the whole thing of you know the Joel Kim Booster character not. Somebody who's looking for a relationship likes to, you know, likes to have sex a lot when he's at Fire right. Island, and why not? Um, but he tells Bone Yang's character, "I'm going to put all that on hold and focus on getting you some action." Right. And you know, again, Bone that, Yang's character, of course, doesn't really want lots of action. He yeah, wants he wants a boyfriend. A boyfriend. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's also very Austin-y, this notion of like, no, no, let me manage your life for yes. you. That's going to be great for all of us. Yes. Um, I think it is uh, sweet and heartfelt in ways that I normally don't really care for. Oh, Mr. Slow Grumble. I am. Yeah, I mean, you know... Uh, Schmoopy rom-coms are not always my go-to. Okay. Um, so, but this felt like a nice step forward. We are now in a place in terms of queer film culture where lots of queer indie film gets made. Outfest, you know, that yeah. you've been a part of for years and other queer film festivals are, you know, the place where lots of queer films like this go. Um, and I will say in my last few years of Outfest, it was definitely clear that there was enough of these kinds of movies 
That we could say no to things that we wouldn't have like 10 years earlier. That were of lower quality. Yeah. Um, also, what I'm noticing in, in, in the queer film festival world is that, you know, stories by non-white, non-cis male filmmakers mm-hmm. and casts and writers are coming out at an unprecedented rate. Yeah. The fact that you don't see all of them, that you don't hear about all of them, that you that you only know about them if you know about them and you go hunt for them on a streaming platform or for the one week they might play at your, you know, little art house theater in your big city. Mm-hmm. That is still a problem because the issue of access and and representation representation is great but if you don't know it exists right <laughs> if the if, if the tree if, falls in the forest yeah <laughs> and so yeah there's a lot of films out there now that that exist but getting to them and knowing where they are and how to see them and which ones are worth seeing sure is a tough a tougher call well go ahead so this one being on hulu yeah uh and being given a huge push um and having you know well-known people in it yeah uh, is is that nice step forward uh, that I'm 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 glad it's here. Do I want it to be funnier? I would like it to to been a little funnier. Okay, but if I'm going back to the Jane Austen uh, comparison, right? Everything she did was not a cavalcade of hilarity. Get the, get the jokes out. There was romance. There was heartfelt sure. stuff. There yeah. was. You know, she was a she was a romantic uh, writer, and so not to diminish her with that word at all, but that's you know, and so my expectation when I see Bowen Yang and Joel Kim Booster, and I already knew who Joel Kim Booster was from mm-hmm. comedy, you know, stuff, and Matt Rogers who's in it, Margaret Cho, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be uproarious, yeah, and it is funny. Uh, but that's not its sole intention. So, you know, F me. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Honestly. Um, you know, my... I'm glad it's here. Queer film is not just one thing. Absolutely. And so this is an example of uh, a film being exactly what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. If it's not for you and you want something else, we your queer film critics can probably point you in the direction of something that you might want to see. Well, and I'll say this, if you have the Criterion channel, or maybe you were looking for a good time of year to do a free trial, I don't know if they do free trials, uh, they have a ton of queer content up right now. Uh, Everything from like new queer cinema stuff to, you know, going back to, to Chantal Ackerman to very recent shorts and features. Uh, they brought back a, a Canadian uh, uh, AIDS musical called Zero Patience. Oh, yeah. I was a huge fan of in the 90s. I haven't rewatched in ages. I'm very excited to look at that again. Um, you know, also like a whole musical section that includes... Zero Patience has singing buttholes in it. It just, does. By the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, musical stuff that isn't necessarily on the nose gay, like, you know, Gentlemen for Blondes, let's say. Right. But then also, you know, Ackerman's Golden 80s and, yes. and uh, uh, The Hole and, and other stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a they, there's a, a, an embarrassment of riches of LGBTQ plus cinema happening on Criterion Channel if, if uh, Fire Island doesn't blow your 
doesn't float your boat, but uh, let it float your boat. Yeah, it's charming. I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm not into this movie because I am. I, I, and I think the reason primarily that I am is I think Andrew Ahn as a filmmaker, uh, he has a nice light touch with human relationships. Yeah, he does not hit you over the head uh, with stuff. It's very appealing. And he has an intuitive approach to how people want to behave with the people they love and how much what they want from the people they love. Yeah. And that is something that you do get in a very lovely way uh, with this film. And we didn't mention like the, the fact that, you know, the friendship between the Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang characters and how it's sort of uh, in jeopardy over, you know, other stuff that happens in the uh-huh. film becomes very important yeah. and, and has real stakes to it. And yeah. so it's not just like breezy, breezy, banter, banter, mm-hmm. sex joke. Like it's, you know, there are real emotional stakes to this. Benediction. Uh, which I say would be a great double feature with Fire Island just because it's about uh, dudes who read too much to have boyfriends. <laughs> That is not what Benediction is about. No, I mean, it kind of. No, no, <laughs> not really. It's about poet Siegfried Sassoon. Um, Siegfried Sassoon was a real poet. Yes. In the 20th century uh, England. This is the latest film from Terrence Davis. Mm-hmm. And y'all know we love that Terrence Davis. Oh, also featured this month on Criterion Channel. A whole bunch of Terrence Davis movies. Yeah. Um, Siegfried Sassoon. Uh, played by Jack Loudon here, yes. uh, fighting with my family, and he. Like, I was going to say Dunkirk, but like everyone all was other in British men Harry under thirty was, was in, in Dunkirk. Dunkirk. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, he played that soldier. He played that soldier. Um, he went to World War One, and he uh, was, you know, awarded a medal uh, for bravery. And then he became a critic of the war. Yes. And because he came from, you know, a nice background, uh, people, friends of the family were sort of like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put you in a, uh, a a sanitarium for a while so that you don't get court-martialed and executed for criticizing the war. Yes. While he's there, he develops a sort of confidant relationship with uh, a gay uh, psychiatrist. Yes. And he falls in love with another patient who happens to be Wilfred Owen. Yes. Another well-known poet of yes. the era. And he gets out. And he basically has boyf- becomes boyfriends with lots of different well-known <laughs> gay figures of between the wars. Between the wars, uh, England. Including Ivor Novello. Uh, Novello. Played by Warhorse. <laughs> yes. Jeremy Irvine. <laughs> Jeremy Irvine plays Ivor Novello. Uh, we call him Warhorse around here. <laughs> He's, we call him, he threw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> he also threw the first brick at Stonewall. Sad. Oh. Jeremy Irvine is unfortunately the lead in... The movie Stonewall. Yes. And we just won't blame him for it. No, no, yeah. I can't. Wouldn't. So <laughs> sorry. And then so, he gets he also he also has an affair with uh Stephen Tennant, who is like yeah. the sort of 
the, 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 the team captain of the bright young things. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, all this time he is writing poetry about the horrors of war. Yes. So in spite of the fact that he was silenced from being a vocal, uh, explicit critic of the while government it while it was going on, his poetry sort of endures as this is what war does to people. It yeah. destroys them. Later in life, he gives in. He gets married as a son, and he retreats. Yeah. Uh, going so far as to... Uh, Convert to sort of, Catholicism. Yeah. <laughs> return to the Catholic Church or... or, or uh, I think it's a conversion. Maybe, maybe it's a conversion. Yeah. I can't remember now. I exactly. think he, goes, but, he starts at C of E. So, uh, Terrence Davis has his own way of making films. Yes. They are gorgeous period dramas that are routinely infused with other media, uh, film clips, music, singing. In this case, it's voiceover poetry. Newsreel footage. Newsreel footage. And he manages to weave these elements together so seamlessly and so gorgeously and with such a hush to them that I would say the quiet in a Terrence Davis movie is almost a cliche. <laughs> I've seen most of them, I think. Yeah. Maybe all of them at this point. And there is nothing more quiet than a Terrence Davis <laughs> quiet. No score going on. People just having very low-key conversations. But those conversations carry the weight of everything. Yeah. Because in this case, this is a man who spent his life flagellating himself when he wasn't creating art that looked inward and was a cry of protest. He was spending his time kind of hating himself. He lived in an era where you could just go to prison for being gay. Exactly. He did. This is a guy who who came of age in the first half of the 20th century. Yeah. And yeah, the laws in England were such where they didn't have to catch you in the act. Like just if they knew you were. Yeah. That was it. Off you, you went. Know. Um, Siegfried Sassoon grows angry and bitter as you get older. And uh, and how do we know this? Because they cast Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Peter Capaldi plays. The old version yeah. of him. I, I, this is the kind of movie that I'm loath to even call a biopic because that word carries such awful weight. I mean, there's it really, it, yeah. it's become such a cruddy genre of late, especially now that it seems to be, it's considered to be by so many actors like their ticket to awards, uh -huh. you know? And so we've had to, we've, we've endured some really awful ones in the last decade, particularly, but I mean, it's, it's often been a dumb genre, but what, what, uh, Davis is doing is, I mean, if you saw his movie about Emily Dickinson, A Quiet Passion yep. with, uh, with, with Cynthia Nixon, he is taking poetry as the, the basis and, and applying it in the, the way that he's telling the story and the way that he's sort of weaving these images together, the way he cuts back and forth in a parallel style between events in somebody's life. Um, 
It's very precisely controlled. Yeah, and and it, like, nobody else is doing it that way, and it's gorgeous and it's impactful and um it, you know it, it it it's resonant and it's also romantic. Uh, I, I I really love this movie. It is. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they kept this in when we we go on KCRW once a month that we talk to Madeline for twenty minutes and then they chop us down. Yeah. And we don't get to decide what gets what stays, what stays, and what gets what gets cut. I don't remember if they said uh, they cut this or not, but I said this is my kind of Pride Month movie, a sad one, <laughs> where where the brutality of history is not forgotten. Yeah, and there's when the sadness of it is is not the external oppression. It's the internal here. Right. Where this is a man who cannot accept himself as he is. He cannot function as a queer person without, you know, fitting himself into society somehow. But it does, I mean, it ties to the external in that it, 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 he's a product of his time. Yeah. It, it, the war broke him. The outside world is breaking him. And he finds some kind of comfort in the conformity that he that he submits to right uh later in the film he is always sort of digging into himself and finding despair he cannot find the comfort and or the 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 literally the salvation yeah. that he wants um the grace or the peace and it's you know for a bummer it's a beauty it is. And I really love this movie. Um, and we saw it on a screening link, but it's playing on a big screen here. Yeah, in town. if you now, can see it projected. I'm going. Uh, I've already I've already got my I've already got my, my date. Okay, good. And I mean you're welcome to join us, I oh, suppose. Can, can I Yeah, I guess. I mean thanks. maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> we have letters. Uh do we? We do. Well, we do. first I should mention, by the way, we have a Patreon. We do. Patreon.com slash Linoleum You like a low grumble? Well, here you get more. You get so much more. Yeah, you can yeah. subscribe to it. You can uh, pay for it. <laughs> if you enjoyed our, our Mary Jo Peel interview, that was part of LKTV, which is a show that's normally exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. It's a podcast of the television. We have Linoleum Knife and Fork, which is a food podcast hosted by two film critics. We have Linoleum Nights, where we talk about anything and everything, um, plus club meetings, plus uh, Linoleum Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife, where we go in deep on older movies, uh, plus LKRX, daily recommendations on the website, all kinds of stuff. So uh, if this is, if, if, if you're the kind of listener who doesn't want to leave us terrible reviews and would actually like to hear more <laughs> of what we've got, patreon.com slash Linoleum Knife. Maybe you could even hate subscribe if you wanted to. Uh, you know what? It, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Subscribe at the highest level, but it, but ironically, as a, as a bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll be we'll totally back you on that one. We'll yes and you. Here's here's a letter from Ed. Something to mention on the next episode of Linoleum Knife. Aileen is now on canopy. What? Stop yep. the presses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if y'all have not seen Aileen yet, you need to. And, and you know what? It's important. As, Try and watch it before Elvis comes out, because I have a hunch they are they are birds of a feather somehow. Oh, I I, I guarantee you they are, <laughs> and I and my and I haven't seen anything. I've seen the trailer for Elvis, uh -huh. where I they're really trying to hide their wacky under a bushel in the trailer. <laughs> 
You don't hear Britney in the trailer? No. Oh, okay. No, no. You hear it in the movie, though. Oh, yeah. That's what I hear. Uh-huh. I'm ready. <laughs> Give it to me, Baz. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. I just clicked on the film comment uh, email. No, that's not it. Okay, Grant. Grant, the movie and TV guy. Oh, him. That Grant. I was fortunate enough to see RRR back in March. Mm. I've been raving about it ever since. I think you guys hit the nail on the head when you said it showed what cinema is capable of. The only thing better than the movie was the experience. The movie started friendships between me (laughs) and my fellow filmgoers. When this film was being tweeted about by Patton Oswalt, I had the biggest smile. Also, I just saw Petit Maman, based on your recommendation, and I cried for 72 minutes. Oh, that's how long it is. Yeah, pretty it's much. A, as opposed to RRR. Stem to stern. RRR is two petits moments plus some extra. And then some. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, I loved it. Thanks, as always. It's two petits moments and a Lux Eterna. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so there we go. Those are the letters. Excellent. The uh, well, hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, do check out our Patreon. Take a listen if you like, if you have the time, if you have the desire, to other programs that I co-host, uh, namely Breakfast All Day over on YouTube, but also existing as a podcast, uh, to Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network. And uh, Mondays, I'm popping in on uh, Deck of Hallmark, where Brandon and I have been going through a whirlwind of uh, movies we have made each other watch. Um we just finished having a really fascinating discussion about Arno Desplechon's A Christmas Tale, which oh. I thought I would show Bran, and he watched it. What a mistake you made. We talked about it. Anyway, that'll be coming up <laughs> next week, so don't miss it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can uh, subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, and we'll read that on the air. You can also leave us feedback in all the places that we stream including uh, Spotify and Google Play and Apple, uh, Amazon Music, Stitcher Radio, TheLounge.com, CastBox, Podbean. Um, you can drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Pick up uh, his stuff at blueBLEU.bandcamp.com. And we'll be back next time with more. Until then. Goodbye. <laughs>